Matthew 22 in verse 34. I'll read there and then, and then pray over the word as we receive it. It says, When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they came together. And one of them, an expert in the law, asked a question to test him. Teacher, which command in the law is the greatest? And Jesus said to him, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Pray that you forgive us of our sin as we approach it, that we'd be able to look on it with clear eyes, that you'd open our eyes to the wonders of it as we incline our ear to what you would say today. I thank you that you'll speak uh, and encourage us so that we would be transformed by the renewing of our mind in your holy scripture. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I told you that today we're observing, along with uh, thousands of others, Sanctity of Life Sunday. And that floats around in, in January each year and generally lands close to this date because it's in reference to or referring to January 22nd. Because on January 22nd in 1973 is when the Roe v. Wade decision came down, uh, which legalized, gave federal uh, legalization to abortion. And, you know, however... Sanctity of life focuses on much more than that. that that's kind of a reference point uh, for that date. But, but the point is, when we say sanctity, it means sacred. That life is sacred. We're going to talk about that a little bit this morning. And here in Matthew 22, Jesus is asked a question by one of the Pharisees, and they meant to trap him, right? They meant to try to box him in and have him say something that they could argue with him about or prove that he was wrong or prove that they were smarter than him. And so they asked what they thought was a loaded question. What is the greatest commandment? Because there were so many commandments that they lived by and followed and thought on and uh, talked about. So many of them that to pick one would be hard to do. It, you know, very easy argument to make against, you would think. And so they ask him this loaded question, which commandment is the greatest commandment? And Jesus answered out of the book of Deuteronomy and told them to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and most important command. Kind of burned their trap up, didn't he? Hard to argue that one. But then he kept talking. So while they're thinking, oh, we can't really go at that. He said something else. He said, the second is like it. Now, they didn't ask for a second one, but he's going to give them one. The second one is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That was out of Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets depend on these two commands. Every other command you've ever heard, every other thing you've been told to follow, everything else you've been told to abide by, they all hang on these two. They all rely on these two. The first one, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Why is it like it? 
Why is the second one like it? Yeah. That's right. That's right. And I would say that it's, it's alike in, in two ways. Both the effect, because when you love God, it changes what you do, right? When you love your neighbor, it changes what you do. So there's an effect of the love. And there's also a similarity in the object. Because you have love God, love your neighbor. Well, your neighbor, we know from Scripture, is made in the image of God. Not God. But God said, let us come, let us make man in our image. And male and female, he created them. Man is unique amongst creation in that aspect. The first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, all your mind. That is the ultimate. He said that that's the greatest command. Nothing will ever supersede that. He said in the second one is like it to love your neighbor as yourself. Image of God, the, the Latin word, imago Dei, that there's something distinct and something special about humanity, about the people that we walk this earth with. So much so that in the New Testament, John, the beloved, said, whoever says he loves God and hates his brother is what? A liar. He said, whoever says he loves God and hates his brother is a liar, because how can you hate your brother who you have seen? while still loving God, whom you have not seen. So he said, these are the two, the, the greatest command, and the second one is like it. Love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself, and that all the laws hang on those two. Everything you could find in Scripture that you're commanded to do would refer back to the need to be loving God and love and or loving your neighbor. They grow out of those. They, they, they come from them. And so when you have, those are two pretty big statements. Love God, love your neighbor. What is the next question that we have? We got to make sure we understand how, what we're supposed to be doing. Who is God and who is my neighbor? Well, Scripture is very clear on who God is. We don't have time today. But the question, who is my neighbor, came up to Jesus also, didn't it? We have reference to that too, don't we? If we look over in the book of Luke, chapter 10, the same commands come up. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then the man, an attorney, wanting to justify himself, to ask Jesus, he said, well, okay, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Or when do I have to do this? When do I not have to do this? Who should I treat this way? And Jesus took up that question and he told him a parable. The parable we call the Good Samaritan, right? It says a man went on the road from Jerusalem to Jericho. And while he was traveling on that road, he fell amongst thieves and robbers and they robbed him, beat him, stripped him of his clothes and left him for dead on the side of the road. And as he's laying there at the point of death because of these grievous injuries, a priest passed by, saw him, passed by on the other side of the road. 
a Levite also saw him pass by on the other side of the road. But then a Samaritan came along. Now, without going too deep into it, the Samaritans and the Jews did not have a good relationship for multiple reasons. They didn't like each other. They did not treat each other well. The Jews didn't consider the Samaritans to be equal to them. Okay, lesser. The Samaritans didn't like that, obviously. They took offense to that, and so they, weren't get, they didn't get along. A, um, a Samaritan came along, saw the man, and had compassion on him. Bandaged his wounds, comforted him, carried him on his own animal to an inn where he cared for him still. And then when he was about to leave, said, I want you to continue this man's care at my expense. I'll give you this money now. And when I come back, if you've incurred more expense in his care, I'll pay that as well. And so Jesus told them that story. And then he asked the question, who proved to be a neighbor to this man? And the attorney's answer was the one who showed him mercy. And so Jesus's point in telling that was as, as mercy was shown in this story, go and do the same. Because what was the question? Who is my neighbor? Jesus's response was essentially, who isn't your neighbor? Who is not your neighbor? You're asking me so you can have an out. Well, I don't have to do that for this one, but I do have to do it for this one. Jesus is saying, who isn't your neighbor? Who isn't your neighbor? Your neighbor is the one who's right in front of you. In this story, it was the one in need. It was the one who was vulnerable. Scripture uses terms like even the least of these those in need of mercy. Even one that you could have looked at and said, it's your own dumb fault. Why are you going down this road by yourself? Don't you know there's robbers down here? You messed up. That was your fault. That was your problem. Why, why are you doing by yourself? Are you serious? Who goes down the road to Jericho by themselves? You were asking for trouble. And yet, Jesus said, we need to be a neighbor to this man. The lawyer, his question was, when would I do this? And Jesus's answer, I believe, could be paraphrased into when would you not? When would you not do it? Our neighbor is the one right in front of us, the one in need, the one who's vulnerable. And here again, Sanctity of Life Sunday, who is more vulnerable than an unborn, pre-born, yet-to-be-born child, especially in the United States. Now, I know, okay, don't get uncomfortable. Now, oh, here we go. We're going to get political. We're not going to get political because this is so much deeper than politics. This is doctrine. This is deep core belief, and it affects what we do and how we walk and how we treat others. It's the second commandment to love our neighbor as our self. And it, it can be difficult to discuss. It's difficult to get up here. It's difficult to go through that. Why? Because it can be incendiary. I mean, you want to set off some bombs. Let's start talking about it, right? There are certain discussions that when you begin to have them, the temperature of the room goes up. And why is that? 
Why is that? Part of it is because we're living, I was referred to an article by another pastor um, written by men who, who's completely secular, but talked about how on issues like this, we're living in different realities. There are people living in realities that are so different from one another that they cannot even have discussions about the issue because their reality that they are in is so different. It's like, how can you think this because the reality has been constructed differently? And there's a fundamental difference between the two of them. Right. Because when I when I look at. A pregnant woman. I see a, a woman and a child. Humanity at conception. Image of God at conception, created in the image of God. And science is now testifying of these things. They didn't have a lot of the access to the uh, data that we can get now when Roe v. Wade came down. Some of the things that we know now is that as early as eight weeks, a child in the womb can suck his or her thumb. As early as eight weeks can uh, respond or, 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 or flinch back from a poke by a needle. Can respond to sound that as early as eight weeks. And again, I'm not saying eight weeks is a line there. I'm, I'm going all the way back to conception. It's a baby. But I'm saying science will even tell you this. That at eight weeks, there's a heart has its own heartbeat. Eight weeks, the kidneys are filtering fluid. Eight weeks, the, the liver is functioning. Eight weeks, baby has his own fingerprint has her own DNA. And we know also can live outside of the womb as early as 21 weeks, right? We got a grandma back there who had, had one not, too, not much older than that, right? And for those of y'all that don't remember, term is 40, right? What would be considered normal term 40 weeks at 21, they can keep that baby alive and can grow and flourish and live and have birthdays and birthday cakes and toys and a long, happy life. That's what I see. That's my reality. That's what I see from the scripture. That's what I see testified of. Okay. There's another one where the same being isn't conveyed personhood until it passes through a vagina. Somehow that crowns us with personhood. And until then, it's not a baby, it's not a child, it's a fetus. Or even earlier, a clump of cells. And that gives me the ability, it's hard to have a discussion when you live in two different realities like that. Okay? And I understand that. And I understand it can be, there can be some conflict there. I understand that. But I'm still going to talk about the truth. 
So you say, well, how can this happen? How can we see these things be so dramatically different? I remember, and again, not, not being political, but an event that happened. I remember watching when the governor of New York signed into law, the, let me see what, what they called it, the Reproductive Health Act. Man, that sounds good, doesn't it? Sounds like a good thing. Reproductive Health Act. And in that act, legalized abortion in the state of New York up until the point of birth. For any reason. For any reason. Up until the point of birth. And when that was passed, when it was signed into law, those who were in favor of it in their House and Senate those that voted for it stood to their feet and applauded. Standing ovation for this act. The One World Trade Center Tower in New York, we know what that's there for, right? To remember what happened on 9-11. Was lit up pink that night in celebration of the passage of this act. Because it's for women. Except for the women who won't live because of it. And I'm like, how can that be? It's because we're operating in two different realities. Realities that are in conflict where we can change the name of something and think that it's okay now. Where we can call it something else and it won't be what it really is. Scripture calls that suppressing the truth of God and unrighteousness. Deceiving ourselves, pretending to be wise, we become foolish. We'll call it something else. We'll change the definition. We'll change the law. That'll make it okay. You cannot change the word for pain and make it not hurt. You can't change the word for pain and make it not hurt. We cannot make the truth be untrue, though there are many times we want it to be. We want the truth to not be true because sometimes the truth is hard. We want it to not be true, but we cannot make it untrue, even though we rage. We can't make, make something not cause pain, not be traumatic, just by changing its name. Just by making a law that says that it's okay. And again, we are talking about, when we're talking about abortion, we're talking about an extremely traumatic event and situation. And that unborn baby isn't our only neighbor in that situation. Not our only neighbor in that situation and not the only victim when one of these procedures takes place. Not the only one. You got a woman's life in there as well. Heart, mind. That can be completely ravaged by this both with physical pain, physical lasting effects, 
and then balance emotional pain from it. And we also know it takes two to tango, don't we? There's a man there somewhere. Where's he at? What's he doing? How is this affecting his heart and his mind? Because again, we can call it legal and we can call it some clean medical term, but it is what it is and we know what they're doing. And we can't escape that. And we cannot deny the impact of that. And so in talking about it, I'm not, I'm not taking away from this is a traumatizing event. The, the thoughts that lead up to it, terrible on the hearts and minds of people. And so we don't talk about it like it's, just, it's this awful thing without acknowledging that it's awful in their life as well. And it's hurtful and it's, and it's even deadly in their life as well. That they need hope. They need comfort. They need healing. And they need peace. They need Jesus. Need someone to love them like a neighbor. Because you know what? They've been lied to. They've been told there's an escape from this. This is all we need to do. That's all. Promised an escape. Promised a celebration. We saw a celebration. Y'all told me this was a celebration. And all I've got is pain. And all I've got from it is trauma. We need to hear the truth. We need to hear that it's traumatic. We need to hear that it's painful. We need to hear that it's awful. And we need to hear that it's sinful. But if you've ever been in that situation, the shame can come on you and you can think I'm a lost cause now, but you have not out the cross of Christ. You have, you have not, I have not, we have not out the cross of Christ. And his grace and his love is new for you today. You have not out the cross of Christ. He is the only one. Oh, my gosh. One of the lines in that article that I told you I was referred to that talked about us living in these competing realities, these realities that are in conflict. Talked about abortion and said, what is abortion except the attempt to shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. It's the attempt to shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. And obviously it can't do that. But there is one that can. There is one that can. Shatter the authority of yesterday's decisions. My past failures, my past sins, everything that I did that caused trauma and pain, that is holding authority over me because of what I did yesterday, he can shatter it. It cannot. He's the only one that can shatter the authority of those past actions and decisions. What they wanted that procedure to do, he actually does. He is actually able to do. And he does it perfectly and rightly. We go to Christ because he restores and reforms our reality to the kingdom. When he had this same, you know, this same discussion on what's the greatest command, it shows up multiple times in the Gospels. And when it showed up in uh, Mark in Mark 12, around verse 30, this same 
conversation. When Jesus said, this is the answer to love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, to love your neighbor as yourself, the man responded in Mark and says, you're right. That number one that you said and number two are more important than any burnt offerings or any sacrifices. And Jesus' response to him was, you're not far from the kingdom. You're not far from the kingdom because these are kingdom principles. This is what he does when he renews our mind to who he is and how he thinks. Loving God and loving our neighbor as ourself. Who is my neighbor? Who isn't? Who isn't our neighbor? There's no one who's not. And again, that can be overwhelming. But he said, how about you start with the one that's bleeding on the road in front of you? He said, you don't have to go save all of Samaria. You don't have to help all of Samaria, but there's going to be somebody in your path right in front of you who is vulnerable, who's weak, who's in need right now. Right now. Right now. And that's what I love about the, the group that I told you we were going to take, receive a special offering for today and in the coming weeks. Uh, the, the Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center. Go ahead and play. In our community, there are young women struggling with the decision between life and death for their unborn children. Many of these women are facing pressures from parents and partners, all of whom have their own worries and fears. Making the right decision in this environment can be difficult, but we are here to help. Our center offers free and supportive counseling to the young women in our community facing unplanned pregnancies. We share truth in a loving atmosphere and provide hope in a situation that may have seemed hopeless. We equip them with the knowledge and information they need to make their choice for life and give them support in their decision to parent or adopt. We are there for them in their moments of pain and hard choices, and it is all because of supporters like you. Today is the start of our baby bottle drive. It is the day that we ask you to partner with us in a way that is so simple but makes such a huge difference in the lives of women and children in need. When you take a bottle and fill it with donations, you are providing counseling for young women facing hard decisions. You are creating learning opportunities for those who choose life to be wonderful mothers. You are supporting a relationship where Christ's love can be shared. You are even buying diapers for the young children who are just starting out in life. This little bottle filled with change, cash, or check can create generational change that will help not only the women and children of today, but give hope for those yet to come. Please take a baby bottle today and bring it back on Collection Day. Your support provides so much help, hope, and healing to the needy in our community. We are excited to partner with you and your church, together making an eternal difference. Amen. It's a nonprofit group in our area, based out of El Dorado, but they serve El Dorado, Camden, Magnolia, and the three counties. You saw that, first of all, you know, they said the baby bottle campaign. We're not doing the bottles. I said, don't bring me a whole bunch of baby bottles that I, we got to wrangle and I got to chase down and, and give back. I said, our folks it, it will give when they're given the opportunity. And so when you're thinking about this group, their mission statement, I wrote it down and you got a little bit of it in that video, is that they communicate Christ's love by providing life affirming services for those facing pregnancy decisions. 
while also upholding biblical standards for sexual integrity and reducing at-risk behaviors by encouraging parenting and life skills. They said they don't turn anybody away. Their services are free. They offer pregnancy testing, uh, some limited ultrasound set up. They're going to bring uh, a, a young lady in who, again, is usually in crisis, usually coming from quite a bit of trauma and pain and able to help in those moments. Give them a chance to see that baby that's in their womb. That's something women didn't have a chance to do in, in the 70s when the Roe v. Wade decision came down. And they have parenting classes. They have uh, STD testing. It's a real need. It's a real need and also a time that can be very scary for someone. It's completely private, completely confidential, unless it's one of the things they have to, you know, if a crime's been committed, there are certain things they have to legally report. But otherwise, it's, it's completely confidential. They have in El Dorado, and hopefully we'll have one here soon, a safe haven box for women that give birth but feel compelled to abandon that child. That happens, right? We hear about that all the time. Whether it's at a prom or on an airplane or behind, in a dumpster behind a restaurant, it happens. And this is a safe place where that baby can be taken, no questions asked, put in here, and given life and help. They obviously do abortion counseling. If you Google abortion clinics near me, theirs is going to be the first name to pop up. They obviously don't provide abortions but they want to talk to people that are thinking that may be an option for them, thinking that may be something they want to pursue. Why? So they can give them the information they need. They won't refer them to an abortion clinic, but they will refer them to an OBGYN if they need medical help. And then, of course, they talk about adoption and the options there and parenting. You know, we don't come out of those terrible situations just knowing, I mean, we don't come into parenting knowing everything to do anyway. We certainly don't come out of dire situations knowing all the right answers. And so I just see a love for neighbor in there. And even more so, the first lady that I met that works with the Hannah group, she said, I don't even do anything with the babies or the pregnant women. She said, I'm, I'm out there doing uh, recovery ministry. Before COVID, she was going into the county jails to the, to the place where they were having issues, you know, people coming in addicted to drugs and substances that are causing them to make decisions they would never make otherwise. And taking that Christ-centered message with also the medical background as well to go, there's life past this. You, 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 you can make it out of this. And then hopefully they never end up in a situation where they have a baby get taken away at delivery because there's meth in its system. Engaging on all of these 
levels. And then also what I love, so many of these groups, if not, I, I'm going to say all of them because it's hard to speak for all everywhere all the time. But everyone that I've ever run across also does post-abortion counseling. They say, hey, you, you chose that. That happened. Come here, let us love on you. Come here, let us help you. Come here, let us talk to you. We'll spend the time with you. Why? Because you're, you're our neighbor. And we know that you need help. We know that you need care. We know that you need comfort. And again, all of them, all those services, free of charge because of grants and donations. It doesn't leave our area. It stays in this tri-county area. So from them, when we ask the question, how can we help? The first thing they say is pray for us. Pray for us. Can you imagine how heavy that is to be one of their workers, one of their volunteers, helping how much that pulls on you? They said, pray for us. You can go to their website and sign up and be on their list for when there's a specific need. They'll shoot you an email and go, hey, fam, we need to be praying about this. We really need to be praying about this this week. Join us in that. One other thing I thought was, was neat, they said, hey, if you shop on Amazon, anybody do that? Yeah. If you shop on Amazon, you can go to amazon.smile.com. Amazon.smile.com. And a portion of your purchases, Amazon will give to a charity of your choice. And they're one of those options. And it's under, and I'll put all this on the Facebook page so you'll have it, but it's under their legal name of South Arkansas Caring Pregnancy Center. South Arkansas Caring Pregnancy Center. And it may be just a few pennies from a purchase that you made, but if several people are doing it, it adds up, right? We might as well use some Amazon's money for good. So you can do that. They said that there's always a need to donate or donations of physical items for their baby boutique. I'm assuming that's being used to help parents that are in need. Diapers, wipes, baby shampoo, baby lotion to go in that baby boutique. And of course you can donate, which we're gonna have an option for you today. Just again, like we did when Pastor Alvin was here, the center uh, plate back there, anything you put in there, anything you put into our offering plate normally, because we don't pass it, we just leave it back here so that you can do as you've purposed in your heart, giving to the Lord. If you just mark on that envelope, Hannah will get out every bit of that to them. And if you want to look into volunteerism, Kelly's doing some investigating on that now. What do they need? What, what can we do more to help in Washita County? Larger presence in Union, what can we do more to help have that here in Washita County? Because there's a need. There's a need. And again, when you face things like this, when you, when you come into conversations like this, when you look at all of the problems, it can be overwhelming. You know, who is my neighbor? Who isn't my neighbor? He's saying the whole world's my neighbor. Oh my gosh, how can I love the whole world? That's why he made so many of us. He just wants us to start with the ones who are right in front of us. To start with the people that are just right in front of us. We see every day. 
and to know that these things are available. One of the reasons we uh, talk about uh, specific ministries is so you know that they're there. So if you identify or you know of somebody who's in crisis, you know you have a place to refer them to instead of just raising your hands going, I don't, I don't, this is way bigger than me. This is way bigger than me. Teacher, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God, all your heart, soul, and your mind. And the second one is like it, and that's to love your neighbor as yourself. Loving them as Christ has loved us. And bringing the only thing that can truly help and truly comfort and truly give peace. So I'm going to pray and the neighbors are going to come up and we're going to sing. And again, I know this is a lot, but it's real. And it's a real problem. And he is the real answer. But again, if you're giving today, I know I mentioned, you know, they had the baby bottles where you have an opportunity to unload some of your chains that we all have that we never seem to get around time to taking it in and counting it up and cashing it in. If you want to do that, if you want to let us help you with that problem, emptying your change drawer, you know, the cup holder in your car that always has change in it that you never end up using because it always goes down to mostly pennies because uh, Luke has gotten the quarters out to use on the machines at Ranchito. I've got a bucket outside and we're going to leave this uh, open for, for several weeks because because th- that's what they do. And I think that's another way to make us mindful of the ministry that's go- excuse me, the ministry that's going forth. That we're mindful of the need, we're mindful of the opportunity, and we're mindful of how good God is in the in-between. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for renewing our mind according to your word. Thank you that we're close to the kingdom in those commandments of loving you and loving others. That every other good thing flows out of that. And Lord, that we have a new revelation of how much you love us. And from that position of being beloved, we can love our neighbor as ourselves. Lord, even if it's like the Samaritan and the the Jewish man who, who have a lot of differences and a lot of disagreements, Lord, we can love our neighbor as ourself because we see them as made in the image of God. We see them as worthy of dignity and respect and love. And I thank you that you have placed your body on this earth for the purpose of ministry and that we get to be a part of that. Lord, we pray for our our brothers and sisters at the Hannah Pregnancy Resource Center, those who are dedicating their, their time and their energy and their resources towards seeing people in our community ministered to with the love of Christ right where they are. I thank you that they won't grow weary and well-doing, but that they'll see a harvest because they're not going to lose heart. I thank you, Lord, for uh, resources to come into their hand uh, when it's being, that when we know things are being properly used, Lord God, that resources come into hand. Lord, and for, for partnerships to be established that may not have been established before. And Lord, I thank you for opening our eyes anew each day that you have us here for a purpose. And it's to shine your light and it's to show your love. 
thank you for what will come in today and in the coming weeks to support this ministry, Lord, that you cause it to go further than we could. And you cause it to bring good in our community, in our area, as only you can. Lord, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity together as, with each other. Lord, that you protect us. God, keep us safe as we go into this week, that we do so with you in mind, acknowledging you, constantly aware of you. And Lord, we thank you for life. We thank you for life. In Jesus' name.